Welcome to the Bayside Church Weekly Message audio podcast, Frankston. So the, just a little bit of a recap. So the first three chapters of Ephesians, we uh, see Paul is sharing information and revelation. And then in four, chapters 4, 5 and 6, the last three chapters of the book of Ephesians, uh, this information and revelation, if we apply it to our lives, it becomes transformation. Everyone say Transformation. Who's, who's experienced transformation in their life since giving their life to Jesus? Yes, we've all experienced transformation, sometimes a little bit, sometimes a lot. But I tell you what, it's never enough. Who wants more transformation? I'm up for it. More transformation. And this transformation, it comes by the power of the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit, both working together, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And it's so great to be able to share this and talk about this today, being Pentecost Sunday, the power of the Holy Spirit. And this power enables us to walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom. And so this is the theme here we have of Ephesians chapter 5 this morning, walking in love, walking in light. It's right there. I thought it might be walking in wisdom. So to put it all in context, I want you to grab your Bibles. We're going to actually start reading together in chapter 4, verse 22 to verse 32, just to finish off verse chapter, uh, chapter 4, but it's because it actually leads directly into chapter 5. So Ephesians 4.22, it says, put off, everyone say put off, put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. I read something like that and all of a sudden this crazy, it's like an old video in my head of crazy stuff I used to do, crazy stuff I'd be involved with, something shameful, something sinful, something crazy, some things that were quite fun to be honest. Who knows what I'm talking about? But it says, get that old video, that DVD, chuck it out, get rid of it, put it off in Jesus' name. And verse 23, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbour, for we are members of one another. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Who has a problem with anger in this place? Who comes from a long line of overreactors? Oh, tell you what Jane does. I mean, I, I do, sorry. and um, Actually, we both do. And uh, I don't know if you ever remember the film Father of the Bride, my favourite scene. And so Steve Martin's sitting in a bar with his uh, son, son-in-law-to-be and he's just busted up with Steve Martin's daughter and he doesn't know what to do and Steve Martin's encouraging him, go back and make up with the girl and, and, and he's trying to explain his daughter's behaviour and why she's a little bit crazy and Steve Martin says to this future brother son-in-law, he says to him, you've got to know this about the girl you're going to marry. She comes from a long line of overreactors. And Jane and I learnt that from that film and for the last 10 or 15 years, we've been saying that one another, not to one another, not vindictively, but in a way to encourage one another. Because sometimes we'll just notice we're starting to overreact over a few little things. It's like, you know, Jane, yes, Sean? You come from a long line of overreactors. And she'll say the same thing to me. Or another good way to understand it is don't give $200 responses to five-cent problems. Who does that? My goodness. 
I've done it my whole blooming life. Anyway, verse 27. Nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labour, working with his hands. What is good that he may have something to give him who has need. Verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary for edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. That's a good life project, isn't it? Just be someone who speaks grace to people continually. Edify people. Build them up. That challenges me. It's challenged me for years to think about the things that I've said to Jane or my kids or people at work or the neighbours. Do I say things that build up or do I say things that tear down? Verse 30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamour, I don't even know what clamour is, evil speaking, be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so we see here, starting in chapter 4, verse 22, right all the way down, if we keep reading, and we will, five, chapter 5, verse 14, it's this whole section that Paul is really talking to us about Christian lifestyle. Some people might want to call it morals, we might want to call it ethics, it's how to work, how to communicate, as we're talking about, don't be angry. It's talking about honesty, stealing, relationships, bitterness, all these sorts of things. And so he's giving us codes of conducts, ways that we need to behave. But one of the keys is that we've got to understand that we cannot live the Christian life externally, the outward Christian life. We can't live it externally unless we've put on this new man internally. It's what we're talking about this morning, Pentecost Sunday, the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It's this transformation we're talking about, being transformed by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. So it's not just a big list of do's and don'ts that we're trying to do in our own power and own strength. It's not, otherwise it, it sort of becomes, you read it and it's a bit like legalism, it's a bit like law, it's a bit like things we've got to do and have to do and so the key is when, when Paul is saying, you know, don't do this, but do this, and don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't steal, help the poor, tell the truth, be pure. When Paul's saying all of these things, what he does, he continually interjects a foundation of theology as he's writing. And just to quickly backtrack, just to run over these foundations of theologies, these are the it's, it's like the foundation of theology is the foundation to build our good works upon or the, the good things that we need to do. Verse 22, put off the old man. This is a theological statement. This is to do and live out what Christ has done on the cross for us. He has redeemed us and now we are new creations. Be renewed in the spirit of the mind. Verse 23. Verse 24, put on the new man. These are all theological statements. Verse 25, it says, we're members of one another. Verse 29, impart grace to the hearers. Verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. And so these are all theological statements, and theologians call them, call this, this is called new creation theology. And so it's renewing our mind and having this mindset that I am a new creation in Christ. And so it's not just the old P 
person trying to be a good person. It's not the old Sean, you know. Before I was a Christian, I was in the Navy, Australian Navy. And, man, I've, I've got 101 funny, crazy, stupid, hopeless, sinful, wicked stories I could tell, you know. And, 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 and that crazy old sailor Sean, you know, it's not just the old sailor Sean trying to get better or I'm trying to do good now. or I'm trying, it's, No, it's the power of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit inside of me because I'm now a new creation in Christ. That's what we renew our mind to. We live out of this new creation. It's what empowers us. This power of the Holy Spirit, the power of his word, the power of his spirit empowers us to live this new life in Christ. And so, you know, what's, what's remarkable about the, the Christian life is, is yes, we're, we're supposed to tell the truth and, yes, we're supposed to do what's right. And, but, you know, some people think, oh, well, say things like, well, yes, I'm meant to do that because the Bible says so. Well, it's not really because the Bible says so, but it's, you know, our, um, the glory, if you want to call it the glory, the greatness of Christian morality, it's that it's not just that a Christian is a moral person, but it's just it's that we've been changed on the inside, that we are this new creation, and that now there's this Holy Spirit morality that flows out of us. It comes from that inward man. It's not just us trying by some, some, some willpower to be good or be better or be nicer, but it's this Holy Spirit that's flowing out of us in Jesus' name. So a Christian doesn't say like, you know, oh, well, you know, I can't be angry because I'm not supposed to be angry. And that, that preacher guy on Sunday said he can't be angry anymore. Okay, I can't be angry. Oh, yeah, no, I've got to tell the truth. Oh, yeah, I've got to tell the truth because the Bible says tell the truth. Oh, I better tell the truth. Okay, so I better tell the truth. Or, or maybe, oh, yeah, I've got to be pure now. I've got to be pure now. And, oh, you know, it's, 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 yeah, you know, it's wrong to commit adultery and I've got, I've got to be a, a pure now. Paul doesn't talk to us like that. Paul speaks to us in these theological, powerful terms where he says to us, put off the old man. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put, put, put on the new man. We've put off the old man. Now he says, focus on this putting on the new man. He says, focus on the power of the Holy Spirit. Focus on who you are now in Christ. Focus on this new creation theology. Don't be focused on, oh, I've got to be good and I've got to be this and I've got to stop doing this and I've got to stop doing Because that's just the old legalism and law and the stuff that will keep us in bondage. Amen? And so we have this person, the Holy Spirit, now that lives inside of us. And it's such a mystery. Do we really understand it? No, but we believe it by faith. And we see the, the, you know, the Holy Spirit. It talks about in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit being like the wind. And, you know, the wind, we know there's wind. You wouldn't say to anybody in the world, you know, I don't believe in the wind. What do you mean, you idiot, you don't believe in the wind? Well, have you ever seen the wind? No. No one's ever seen the wind. We don't. We can't see the wind. The wind's invisible, but we see the effects of the wind. We see the trees moving. We see leaves being blown around. We see incredible, the power of cyclones and things, all because of the power of wind that we don't, connect, can't actually even see. We can't see wind. And so the Holy Spirit's like that. The Holy Spirit living inside of us is like that. We can't really see it, but we know it's true because we've experienced the effects of the Holy Spirit blowing through our lives. Amen? 
And it might be small ways. It might be just a few little, you know, it's a little bit of wind today, a little bit, few, few little wee leaves rustling around. And that might be the situation in our lives. But we want to see a, a tornado, don't we? We want to see a hurricane of the Holy Spirit blowing through our lives, making incredible changes, not for destruction, but for good in Jesus' name. And so this Holy Spirit living inside of us is, is, is sensitive and exquisite. And that's what Paul is talking about when he says, you know, don't, we just read about, it, don't grieve that Holy Spirit inside of us, but, you know, hang out with him, talk to him, get to know him. Think about, wow, I'm walking around every day. I've got this Holy Ghost guest living on the inside of me. I want to start to hear things how he hears and listen for things and see things and, and look at things and understand things the, the way that the Holy Spirit sees things inside of me. Otherwise, Christianity is just a, just a set of moral rules. If it's not a living Holy Spirit living through us. Right, so we might say, Okay, I still get that. I get it, Paul. I get it, Apostle Paul, what you're saying here in the book of Ephesians, but I still need help to do it more. And so Paul says, okay. So Ephesians 5 now, verse 1 and 2. He says, therefore, and what's therefore there? We have a look. Why is that therefore? All those verses that just came before us, the verses that we just read about doing good and being good, but all those verses built on this foundation of theology, Ephesians 5, 1 and 2, he says, Therefore be imitators. Everyone say imitators. Be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-selling aroma. Be imitators of God like children. Some modern translations use the word be followers. But I don't really like that much because followers actually waters down the original meaning in the Greek. The, the word imitators there, it's actually where we get our word mimic. Mimic. To mimic something. To, mimic's great, isn't it? It's like sometimes we mimic people just to, to, you know, to stir them up a bit. You know? Somebody might do have a little funny, little quirky little habit or something that they do. And so we'll, we'll do it back at them. We'll, we'll mimic people and reflect back to them what they're actually doing and so think of that thought to be we god wants we need to be mimickers of god we need to copy god follow god copy god imitate god mimic god and you know when we think about it this is exactly how little children learn from their parents little children they mimic words they as a parent we're going Dad, 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 dad. What do we want them to do? We want them to mimic back exactly what I'm doing. Dad, 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 dad. And then it becomes, you know, as they get more words, they grow and they mimic other things. Children mimic walking. It's like, come on, do this. Hold your hands. It's mimicking. And children mimic all the time, but it's, it's, not, it's not just children. It's all of us. We mimic continually. If we want to learn how to do anything, it doesn't matter what age we are, we mimic. We have lessons to mimic how to play the piano or the guitar, to learn a computer. We mimic. We get a job as an apprentice and we mimic the bricklayer putting bricks or you mimic. You know, this apprentice, can he really fix a car? No, he can't. He's just mimicking the mechanic. That's teaching him. And all the way through life, we actually learn everything. It doesn't matter what it is, even a brain surgeon. The first time, he's just mimicking what he's seen. And we're hoping he's mimicking it really, really well if he's operating on you or me. 
And so when God says to us, sometimes we'll read this verse and God's saying, mimic God or imitate God. That can't be right. Yes, it is. It is right. That's what we're to do because God's saying, you're now my children. You've been born again into the family of God. You're now full of the Holy Spirit to learn how you're meant to walk and what you're meant to do. Just mimic God. Follow God. Do what you know, do what God does. That's why, you know, the old saying, it's been around for years. It's sometimes in some parts of the world, it's a little bit corny, but, you know, WWJD. What does that mean? What would Jesus do? It's a great, it's a great way to try and figure out what to do. Because every day we're facing situations. Yes, there's lots of situations and circumstances where the Bible's really clear and that's obviously I should be doing this or I shouldn't be doing that and that's really easy to mimic. But sometimes we're in situations where the Bible's not specifically clear about this certain situation and circumstance. But to be able to say to ourselves, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I do it all the time. I do it in other ways as well. As Jane and I were pastoring our church for the for the last 17, 18 years, there's lots of things I'd be stuck as, a, as the leader of the church. You know, as the senior pastor, the, the buck stops here. That can be good and that can be bad. It's like decisions have to be made and things. And, you know, sometimes they're $10 decisions. Sometimes they're hundred. Sometimes they're $10,000 decisions. And sometimes as a leader, I'd, I'd sit back. I wouldn't know what to do. I'd, go, I'd, I'd say to myself, WWPPD, what would Phil Pringle do? And that would help me so much. Incredible. I'd walk in the room. I'd just go like this. I'd shake off the old man, Sean. I'd put on the new man, Phil Pringle. And I'd think, hey, good morning, church. How are you going? <laughs> Trying to do a Phil Pringle accent. But I, I'd, I'd be in my office. I'd think, yeah, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. I, I, can, I can start mimicking chicken. Mimic being chicken. And that's all you're, all you're doing. I'm mimicking, pretending chicken, chicken, chicken. Don't know what to do. Sweating, worry, worry, panicking, panicking. That's mimicking. That's mimicking the wrong thing. Or I can mimic Phil Pringle. What would Phil Pringle, Sean? What would Phil Pringle? Phil Pringle, Phil Pringle he'd, just go, he'd just walk in there, he'd go bang and put his hand on there, make this decision, he'd buy it or he'd sell it or he'd do whatever. And I'd make so many decisions like that. It was tremendous. I loved it. You ought to try it this week. Whatever your life calling, wherever you are, maybe it's a Phil Pringle mimicking or might be a, I don't know, a politician, a banker, a doctor, a lawyer, whatever it is, but just think, you begin to think like that and it helps you so much or just WWJD, what would Jesus do? It's probably the best answer. True? No wonder. So when we're thinking about this mimicking of Jesus, it's like, um, you know, you think about the Bible says that we're made in the image of God. Now, I used to think, Seriously, I used to think, it's a fairly recent, I used to think, oh, that's, that means we're, we're sort of like God. We're made in the image. But for some reason, I had to renew my mind because I used to think uh, it's sort of a bad image. We're just like, a, you know, it's, it, it's like, uh, you know, have you heard that joke about when people say, oh, you, you're like a model? Oh, really? Yeah, a small replica of the real thing. Uh, and I used to think that like that when it says we're made in the image of God. We're sort of, an, you know, we're sort of a replica, but we're, we're pretty hopeless. And, 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 but, you know, an image actually is an exact reflection. Like we think about a mirror, 
When we stand before, a, stand in front of a mirror, we're getting this exact reflection back at us, exactly how we look. And you know, I don't know if you've ever looked at a warped mirror or a distorted mirror or a scratch mirror. You, you know, you, well, only half the mirror is sort of working. You just get you get a bit aggro at it. It's like, like it's not working properly. Like you know, or maybe those funny warped mirrors they have down at Luna Park or something. You know, it's it's not the correct image. It's not right. But we're made in the image of God and. And thinking about that idea of being able to reflect back the image or to, we're built to reflect God. And I was thinking, wow, that's an amazing thought. And, you know, a mirror reflects whatever is facing it. Or, you know, if we want to see our image in a mirror, we've got to face that mirror full on, directly face that mirror. And the reality is what I've learned is our lives are actually going to reflect something all day, every day. We are continually reflecting whatever we're facing. And I believe we get the choice every day that we can just reflect the negativity. We can stand before the negativity. We just reflect and just think we're focusing on this and I'm going to reflect. We'll be reflecting back to other people the negativity, the situations, the circumstance, the hopelessness, whatever it is that's before us, and we can just continually stand before that negativity or we can just turn around and we can stand before God and smile on his wondrous, wonderful face. No wonder the Bible says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. And we can, regardless of the circumstances, doesn't matter what's happening around there, doesn't matter how bad it looks, we can face Jesus and say, thank you, Father, you're making a way. Thank you, Father, you're going to redeem me. Thank you, Father, you're providing. Thank you, Father, you're healing. Thank you, Father, whatever it is. And we can reflect God into our circumstances. Amen? And here's another thought when we're thinking about this imitating God or mimicking God, you know, just like little children play dress-ups, growing, you know, as they're growing into young men and women, we can put on the whole armour of God every day and grow up into Christ. And so you might be feeling, well, I'm not a very good Christian or I'm, not, I'm a fairly new Christian or I'm a fairly young Christian or whatever, or you might, I'm just a fairly defeated Christian or I'm a, I feel like a fairly hopeless Christian, whatever those things are that might, those thoughts, and that's all they are, they're thoughts. They're not truths or reality, they're just thoughts. Because the Bible says we're complete in Christ, that we're more than conquerors, that we're overcomers. But when those other thoughts come, we can play dress-ups. We can put on the full armour of God, just as a kid does. A little child will dress up in mum and dad's clothes and they'll strut round the house. You know, we have great thoughts of our little daughter, Emma, the most beautiful, precious thing at about three years of age, will dress up in, in mummy's clothes and become the biggest, bossiest thing under the planet. I don't know who she learned that off. But anyway, moving right along. And... um. And she just bossed the whole family around just by putting these clothes around. She'd take authority over the household. That's what we've got to do. Put on the armour of God, play dress-ups, put on the full armour of God and start to take authority in Jesus' name over situations and circumstances that are trying to take authority over us. Amen? And then after interjecting this foundation of theology here in Chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, 
Paul goes back into it again, verses 3 to 7. We probably don't really have time to read them again, but Ephesians chapter 3, he's talking about fornication, uncleanliness, and all these things. He says, don't be involved with them. Verse 4, neither filthiness. Verse 5, you know that no fornicator, unclean person, or covetous person who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not be partakers with them. Not a good point there in verse 6 is that the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. We're not them. And some people try and, you know, condemnation will often come upon people when reading verses like this and think about, oh no, I've done something wrong, I'll never be forgiven. Yes, you will be forgiven because you're a child of God. And, and when we're, we plead and we plead upon, you know, our, our claim to our salvation is nothing but the cross and nothing but the blood of Jesus and our salvation is in him. And when we sin and we confess our sins, God is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins. Amen? And so, you know, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience, it says in verse 6. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. It's a really wise little suggestion there of Paul, isn't it? Don't be partakers with those sons of disobedience because we're not one of them. We're not part of them. So don't be part of them. And then I love it in verse 8. Paul begins this talk about walking in the light. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 9, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. What's really interesting about this word expose right here, the word expose literally means to win, to persuade, or to convince. And so verse 11 again, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. And so when we're exposing these works of darkness, we read that, or I've often read that and think about exposed to destroy, exposed to just destroy the person, shame the person, get rid of the person, cut them off. And it's the total opposite in the Greek. The word means to win, to expose, to win, to persuade or convince. And so that's the attitude we should have with people in our world, people that are no, not yet know Christ, those that are still in bondage, those that are still living in darkness. We want to expose works of darkness to win them, to persuade them, to convince them, to save them. And it's interesting, that verse again where it says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness. Guess what? It doesn't say, have no fellowship with the people. And there's even denominations, Christian denominations, that are so far removed from the world and are so introverted and, and so just like a little club on their own. And because I'll read scriptures like this and think, it says, have no fellowship with these people. Cut them off. Or there might be people in our world that we've cut off, family, friends, people that we work with. We might just, it's too hard or it's too dark, it's too evil. And I tell you what, we need to be, there. it might be conversations at work where, you know, we get to work one day and they're all talking about the latest vampire film and all the latest aliens this or the latest crazy duck. And sometimes as Christians in the past, we might do things that, oh no, oh no, get behind me. This is so scary. This is so scary at work. Oh, they keep talking about that Satan movie. They keep talking about all this stuff. I tell you what, I think we should be the people that we hear them talking about that sort of stuff at work. I reckon we need to be ones that just, just 
jump into the middle of the conversation and say, tell me more. Wow, that's amazing. What do you think? What do you reckon about that? And I think we need to engage in those conversations, not engage with the unfruitful works of darkness, but to engage in the lives of these people to expose the darkness, to win, to persuade, to convince them. Amen. Just to quickly finish up as we're running out of time, you know, how to... Paul goes on to talk about a lot of wisdom in the, in the rest of this chapter 5. And the reason he talks about wisdom so much at the end is because it is such a balancing act for us to be children of light living in a world of darkness. And we do need wisdom to understand how do we walk in this world of darkness. And one of the ways that I've learned to understand it is found in the story of the tourist, the migrant, and the ambassador. A tourist is the person that turns up into a country and a culture, and they're the Bogan Aussies, the typical story, say, in Bali or somewhere like that. And uh, while I'm telling the story, maybe the band wants to come back up and so we can finish up this morning. But the tourist is the person that turns up to a country. They're just there for a holiday. They don't learn the culture. They don't learn the language. They're just sort of, they're isolated. They're on their own. That's what a, a tourist does. But then there's the migrant. A migrant is somebody who turns up to a country and they, they want a brand new life and they fully engage and they jump into the culture and the people and the friends and they make friends and they begin to learn new ways of doing things and new culture and new, and new language and and they assimilate right into the culture and become one with the culture. The tourist, the migrant, the ambassador. The ambassador, well, the ambassador is someone who always knows what country he belongs to. The ambassador comes to live in a brand new country, but he's representing the king, the kingdom, and the country of another nation, of another kingdom. The ambassador, when he turns up, and lives in a country, he actually still lives by the laws of his own country. And the embassies that we have in Canberra, whether it's the Indian or the American or the Canadian or the English or whatever embassy we, in Canberra, those people, once you're on those embassy grounds, you're living by the laws of that country. Because those em embassies, all they, they never become citizens. Those ambassadors, they never, they might, they'll learn the language. They'll learn the culture. So they're able to communicate with the language and the culture, but they don't ever give up their citizenship. They don't ever give up the laws of the kingdom and the king and the country where they come from. An ambassador lives by the laws of his home country, yet the ambassador must do everything necessary to make communication possible between himself and the culture where he now lives. He has to know the language, has to understand the institutions, the customs and the culture. The ambassador, says, I'm here to do the will of my kingdom, my country, my king. And that's what a Christian is. We need to be ambassadors in our world, in our workplaces, with our family, with our friends. Let's not be the tourist who just turns up to work and says, see you later. And doesn't connect, doesn't communicate with anybody. We're just, a, we're just like a tourist. Let's not be the migrant where we're totally immersed and totally assimilate into the culture of the dark culture. Let's be the ambassador that turns up. We're there. We learn the language. We learn the culture. We understand their ways. But 
We never become a citizen of the darkness. We never assimilate into darkness. We're there always to represent our king, our kingdom, his power, his rule, his reign, his authority. Exposing the works of darkness to win, to persuade, to convince, to help them out of darkness into light, just like we once were. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we just thank you for the power of your word. Father, we just thank you for the words of the Apostle Paul. Father God, that we can be children of light, that we are children of light. Lord, that we can learn to walk in your ways, Father God, to walk in love, to walk in light, and to walk in wisdom. And Father, I pray this morning for wisdom for all of us, Lord God. Each one of us are in different situations and circumstances. Every day we face different things and different challenges and different obstacles. But Father, I believe wherever we are, you've called each one of us to be light in a dark place. And so, Father, we ask for wisdom this morning. James says, for anyone that lacks wisdom, just to ask of God and he'll pour it out. And that's what we ask for this morning, God, wisdom. Pour out wisdom. Pour out wisdom. Father, because we want to be the the light of this world. We want to be those people in our workplace, in our family, in our neighbourhood, in our clubs. Wherever we go, Lord, we want to win. We want to persuade people. We want to love people. We want to help people. Thank you, Father, you've saved us. You've redeemed us. We're Christian. We're children of God. Just as Paul wrote there this morning, called out of darkness into the kingdom of light. Maybe you're here this morning, just while every eye's closed and every head's bowed, maybe you're here this morning and you're not really a Christian. Maybe you've been on a journey. Maybe you've come with a friend this morning. Maybe you're like I was many years ago, just reading some books, asking some questions, trying to find out, who is this Jesus? Why is he the centre of all history? If you're here this morning and you've never really given your life to Christ, I want to give you that opportunity right now. Just while every eye is closed, just to lift up your hand, just to say, Pastor Sean, that's me. I want to do this and I need to do this and I've never really done this. I've never really become a Christian. I've never really accepted Christ into my world. Is there anyone here this morning? So that's me. I need to do this. I need to give my life to Jesus. Or maybe you're here this morning and You have done this, you are a Christian, but maybe right now you feel like, hey, I'm just off track. I need to get back on track. I need to recommit my life to Christ. Again, if that's you this morning, just to lift up your hand, just to say, Sean, please pray for me. I need to recommit my life to Christ. I've just been off track. I need to get back on track. Thank you, God. Is there anyone here this morning? 
Thank you, God. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this great week ahead. Lord, we want to be those people at our workplace, in our homes, in our streets, in our neighbourhood, wherever we hang out, Lord God. Let us be the light of this world, Lord God. Let us be the ones that jump into the middle of conversations with people, whatever they're talking about. Father, we thank you that greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. You've called us to be the head and not the tail. You've called us to be above and not beneath. You've called us, Lord, to be the light of this world. And Father, we thank you that we can walk in love, walk in light, and walk in wisdom every day in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said, Amen. Thank you, guys. We hope you enjoyed listening to this weekly message audio podcast. If you'd like to listen to more messages and find out more information, check out our website at www.baysidechurch.com.au. Church has changed. Check it out.